Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Are you ready for Game 1 of the NBA Finals tonight? It's the Lakers and the Heat. The Heat's 75-1 to when the year started. Man, talk about a long shot, huh? And uh, coming in as a fifth seed, they're the lowest-seeded team to make the NBA Finals since the Knicks were the eighth seed in 1999. And what do those have in common? Probably the two weirdest, most non-traditional NBA seasons of the last 20, 25 years. You've got uh, a 50-game season shortened by a labor dispute in 99. And now you've got COVID and the bubble and no home court advantage. Now, there was another series. I think it was a season. It was 2012, I think. It was a 66-game season. More labor issues, but only half the time that was lost in 99. So, you know, you look at these eight seed and five seeds getting there, and you got to say it's something about this uh, bizarro year, you know. But I guess that won't matter. If the Heat can find a way to win four games, then they're 75-to-1 shot that pulled it off on a neutral floor as a five seed, and they'll have their fourth franchise in in uh, club history. And if they don't, then LeBron will have his fourth title. Uh, baseball playoffs underway in the American League. Three of the four road teams won in a best two out of three. Man, some of the high seeds, some of the big dogs could be going down real quick in the American League. It's a best two out of three series. They've used their mulligan. And the Yankees, I was just talking about the Yankees. Can they hit home runs under pressure? Well, for one game, they could. They hit four of them while beating Cleveland. Shane Bieber, the gaucho, beaten. Uh, all right, let's get to the uh, football. We'll talk about the other stuff later. Uh, college football, BYU getting ready to face a Louisiana Tech team that um, has got a, a lot of turnover in the secondary this year, a lot of young guys, a lot of inexperienced guys. How is this going to work out? Isaac Rex, what does he think of the first two games and this Louisiana Tech matchup? Here he is with the media. You've got to take us through that touchdown and the celebration. What, what was that like for you? And then what was the fallout as you watched it with, with the guys afterwards? <laughs> All right, here's the deal with the whole celebration. Before the game, Kalani wanted us to get hyped for the game. We had no fans there. So he wanted the whole group to, you know, have a dance in their back pocket. He wanted someone to, you know, a lot of guys dancing. And he said, if, Hey, if no one has a dance, then do the cabbage patch. So cabbage patch is this just nice and easy. Uh, not too hard, not too complicated. And he said, Hey, if you don't have a dance, just do that. And so obviously I, I'm not a big dancer. I don't dance that much. And so when I score, I have, I freak out. I have no idea what to do, but I have to do a dance obviously because my head coach told me to and so i just decided to do the the cabbage patch because my coach told me to and then all of a sudden i get a million texts saying how bad of a dancer i am and how everyone like hates my dancing and i was like that's not even my fault i'm just listening to my coach and what he's telling me to do so it was frustrating i'll uh maybe next time i'll figure out a new dance because um i kind of got roasted but it was a lot of fun catching touchdown and um and that was a great pass by Zach. Zach dropped it in there and a good call by the coaches. So it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, I mean, I just – I was listening to my coach's advice, so. Did you know when you gave the high five to the ref that that was the ref in that <laughs> moment? I had no idea. But I guess that, that's kind of BYU tradition. I, I've heard guys do that before. There's There's been uh, players that hug the ref, I think, after Nebraska – that Hail Mary, they hugged the ref. Mine wasn't that big of a deal, but uh, I just, I 
I gave the ball to James Empey and then I high-fived the ref. I should have high-fived James Empey and then gave the, oh no, yo, I gave the ball to James Empey. Yeah, high-fived the ref. I should have done the opposite. So I uh, kind of screwed up there also, but you know, it was my first touchdown. So I had to, I, I was, I was kind of like all crazy, and, but I'll figure it out one day. I'll get, my mind won't be so uh, all over the place. Okay, we'll take a question from Norma Gonzalez from the Salt Lake Tribune and then Mitch Harper, KSL. Hey, Isaac, so you were just talking about how the coaches were asking you guys to bring your own energy and bring these dance moves to an empty Lavella George Stadium. I guess, how is it going to be going into this week, knowing what you guys busted out on the field this past weekend? Are there going to be new moves? Are there going to be different moves? And if for whatever reason, um, the restrictions don't get lifted and you guys have to continue playing games without fans. How will that be like for the rest of the season? Well, um, I honestly feel like playing with no fans, we still have the, it's like, it's like just a scrimmage for us. We still have the same amount of energy. Um, a lot of guys are more hyped up because, uh, they're excited for the teammates to be out there and playing football is playing football. So, uh, we're just excited to be out there and to be playing. Honestly, a lot of schools are just sitting at home. So we're very fortunate that we're playing football right now and we're just going to bring our own juice, whether there's fans or not, we're going to keep dancing. We're going to keep having fun, keep showing the world that BYU is a, a fun, energetic, but also a winning program. Isaac, uh, I saw a little bit uh, on Saturday that you played long, I, inline tight end, but then on some slot as well. You feel like that can be a role that you can continue in where you're versatile enough to to line up in either spot in this offense? Uh, yeah, I hope I can try to do it all. Like like Matt, Matt Bushman was able to do it all, block, catch, um, run routes, uh, block open DBs, play outside. So... Uh, a lot of, as long as, like, I, I'm trying to be as versatile as possible, but um, I still have a lot, long way to go. I still am not there yet completely. Uh, I can obviously work harder at being more versatile, whether that's on my blocking or um, my route running or catching. There's still a long way to go for me. I'm only a freshman, so I'm just going to keep working and uh, getting better every day. Okay, we'll take a question from uh, Jared Lloyd and then Matt Baimonte. Isaac, what's it like being part of this offense and that has been just able to do so many things so well in the first couple of weeks? What, what's that? Uh, what's that experience been like? It's fun, man. We're we're I mean we're killing every team. We're running the ball down the throw. We're throwing it. We're uh, blocking people. Um, running great routes. Uh, it's really fun when you're winning. It's really fun when um, you feel dominant. And so uh, the offense is clicking. Coach Grimes, Coach A-Rod, all the coaches, Coach Clark, um, Coach Unga, everyone is just dialed in. We're all hungry, motivated to keep this thing going because we want to be the best offense in the nation and we're we're on track to to be the best offense in the nation and score the most points. So uh, we're, we're excited. We want to keep it going and just see where, uh, you know, how far we can go with this offense with all the talent we have. Isaac, you, you mentioned Matt Bush in a minute ago. Have you been able to, to reach out to him or hear anything from him as the season's gone along? 
Yeah, it was awesome. Matt was at the game and he was on the sidelines and cheering us on. So when Mason scored, we were all stoked because we had a, another fullback slash tight end score. Uh, when I scored, Matt was super stoked. He's just, he wants us to do the best um, we can possible. And he's so supportive. He, he loves us. We're his brothers and we're really tight knit group. So it was so fun seeing Matt on, on the field and uh, being able to, being able to talk to him and just text him is is awesome. He just had a baby recently, so he's been spending a lot of time with Annie, his little daughter, and she's so cute. But uh, yeah, he he still comes around, and we love seeing him. And he's he's a man. He has a lot of knowledge, so he helps me out a ton, and all the other tight ends. Hey, Mitch Harper. Yeah, Isaac has it. Has it felt like a little bit more normal this week? And I know everything's day by day right now in the climate that we're living in, but having a game in a second straight week because it just felt like a little bit more of a you're getting in that flow and a rhythm because I know having those routines is is critical for you guys yeah it's definitely uh, a good feeling uh, being knowing we have a game this week and not on edge are we playing are we not uh, it definitely feels a lot more normal like last year where we have a game we're ready to go and now it's a short week so uh, we have a game on Friday and we're gonna um, we actually have a lot of motivation just keep to keep rolling on. We don't have this long 19 day break or what do we have from, from Navy to uh, Troy. So we're just going to try to keep this thing rolling and just uh, pretend everything's normal and uh, yep. Keep it going. Okay. We'll take a question from Sean Walker and finish with Jared Lloyd. Uh, yeah, Isaac, you, uh, you actually mentioned it right there. And I'm wondering if I can maybe follow up on that a little bit because it is a short week. Um, and things are a little bit different on a short week um, in a football program. What's kind of been your experience with having sort of one less day to prepare for everything? And do you feel like, I mean, A-Rod just barely told us that, that you guys sort of combine Tuesdays and Wednesday practices today. So does it feel a little bit like drinking out of a fire hose yet? Or, or do you feel like you're kind of staying on top of things? Um, we're We're staying on top of things. I feel like, uh, we're just going to run our offense. We're going to do us. We're going to play our game. And so we've been working on a bunch of plays ever since spring ball happened. And so we shouldn't be too all over the place to so just play, play BYU football and get after these guys. Isaac, I just wanted to know what your dad said about both the offense and your own performance. What, what's been his feedback? He knows a little, th little bit about what you're doing, so. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't pull my dad. I didn't pull the Hawaii Byron Rex. I could have, but it would. It would have been unnecessary because there's no fans and it was at home. And so I guess I could have done uh, pulled a Byron Rex to Troy, but that would have been unsportsmanlike conduct. So, you know, uh, I he was very stoked though. He was happy for me. My dad's really supportive, and it was cool seeing the, his son play at the same stadium he did and catch a catch a touchdown so he wants me to catch more obviously and and play even better but uh he was he was proud and he's a really supportive dad my mom was really happy too so uh, it was cool uh making that play but not satisfied with that one play i gotta keep making more there is isaac rex when we come back aaron roderick will join us and we'll hear from him as he talks to the media talks about these first two wins and where the offense is headed week three stay with us Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. BYU, a 23-and-a-half-point favorite, heading into the game with Louisiana Tech. We know BYU's got a really good offensive line. Looks like they're going to be able to do a good job of protecting the quarterback. And we know that Louisiana Tech has a lot of turnover in their secondary. They lost a lot of guys. And that combination, a green secondary without much pass rush, says... BYU ought to be able to throw the ball. This should be a big game for BYU's passing game. Does Aaron Roderick believe that? What does he think of Louisiana Tech? What does he think of these first two games and where the team is right now? Here's Aaron Roderick, A-Rod, with the media. Uh, it was good work today. We had a the, Today's practice was a modified. It was sort of a, a half Tuesday, half Wednesday um, you know, session. We, t- we did a little bit of what we would normally do on Tuesday and a little bit of what we would normally do on Wednesday and tried to combine it as well as we could. It's a good physical, tough day, and we'll scale it back a little bit tomorrow and as we approach the game. Great. We'll take questions from uh, Jared Lloyd with the Daily Herald, uh, Mitch Harper, KSL Radio, and then Jake Hatch, mine's Aaron, 1280 The Zone. Hey, Aaron. Hey, Jared. Wanted to ask about uh, Zach. Let's talk about why is he being so so effective this year? What are you seeing from him that uh, has allowed him to be so efficient in the first two games? Well, he's experience is the biggest factor. You know, it's thir- in your third year, the game slows down. And I think the other big part of it is the players around him are all playing at a really high level. And um, most of most of the guys that are playing significant snaps for us are in their third year in this offense and it's starting to show, you know, we got guys that are playing fast. There's not a lot of thinking going on. They're just, just uh, out there executing their job. And in the past, you know, I mean, sometimes Zach would do young things and sometimes the guys around him would do young things, which would force him into situations where he's scrambling around doing something maybe that we hadn't planned on. And so uh, this year, so far, after two games, we're uh, executing well as a team, and that's making his job a lot easier. You know, our, our offensive line's playing great. Our receivers have really stepped up. Our tight ends, backs, everybody's just doing their jobs and makes it a lot easier to play quarterback. Hey, Aaron, uh, LaTex head coach Skip Holt said earlier today that, that usually in the summertime, teams have their first four opponents scouted. He, he mentioned this year, as he put it, that he's had to put – had to, had to use Google to, to put a scouting report together on BYU. What has been your experience prepping for teams that you didn't really know about up, up until a couple of weeks ago? What's that been, experience been like for you? Uh, well, yeah, we're in a similar situation with La Tech because they've, they've played two games and the, they have a new defensive coordinator. Um, so he hasn't been with their defense very long. Uh, Coach Holtz has got a really well-established program, but uh, the new defensive coordinator is, uh, you know, we're trying to, we're digging up film on places, other places he's been and trying to know who he is. You know, two games isn't a lot to go on. And so it's tough to predict if um, he'll do the same things he's done other places or, um, you know, so we're basically we're just trying to make sure that we're squared away at what we do, that we're running uh, our, you know, our schemes 
if effectively and trying to just uh, be, be ready for whatever, whatever they, they show up and do. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Zach and his play, similar to kind of what Jared asked a little bit earlier, but is, are what we're seeing right now from him throwing the ball, just the way he's running this offense, how different is he right now than he was maybe in his first two years? Um, well, the first thing is he's, he's, he's older and physically more mature. I mean, he's, I don't know if you guys, there's been no fans yet. You haven't been around him, but when you see him in person, you're going to see he's a different guy now. He's, bigger stronger put on really good weight he's uh he's looking just like an older more mature guy and and so physically he's uh and knock on wood he's healthy you know he's he's battled some injuries the first two years as well and so right now he's he looks good physically and then um you know just he's it's a he's a veteran player now he's just played so much football for us that um and that's typically what you see with quarterbacks in general. I mean, it, all the the good ones that have played played in this at this school, most of them were okay early in their career, and then really good towards you know later years in their career. And that happens in the NFL, and it happens all over college football. So um, I'm just seeing him. Uh, the, the, and the, back to the, I forgot the one part of your question was. Uh, I think the thing he's doing really well is he's keeping the game simple. I mean, he's just trying to make the easiest play he can make every snap. And because we have good players around us, uh, you know, good things happen. And we had several 20, 30 yard gains the other night where we throw it short to a good player. And that guy makes something happen with it and breaks a tackle, makes somebody miss, you know, just easy plays. And so that's, we're trying to, trying to keep the game simple. And one other quick question for you. How much stronger is his arm right now than compared to what you've seen previously? Um, I don't know exactly how to measure that, but his arm's as good as I've seen it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's healthy and stronger than he's ever been. He's, he's throwing the ball well. Okay, we'll take questions from Jay Drew with the Desert News and Brandon Gurney with the Desert News. Hey, Aaron, you've been involved in this game a long time. So I just wonder if you ever seen a program that has struggled to keep running backs healthy as BYU's does. And, and can you put a finger on why? Is it just a fluke? Is, are you guys cursed? What's the problem there? Um, it, it is a physical position. And um, uh, we actually, my I think it was my last year at Utah, we had a similar situation uh, with the year Joe Williams ended up having a great year for us, but he early in the season, he stepped away from football. Then we played, uh, we went to Zach Moss and he got hurt. We, I think uh, Devonte Henry Cole got hurt that year. Then we went to, uh, um, was it Jordan Howard, I believe. And he got hurt. And now, and then we had to have, uh, you know, we had, and then luckily Joe Williams came back and ended up playing well for us to finish out the season. But it's the nature of that position that running backs are, you know, getting hit hard um, half the plays in the game. And if they're not getting hit hard, they're going to hit somebody else hard, uh, you know, probably another third of the plays of the game. So it's just a very physical position. And then I do think we've had some bad luck. Yes. Um, and hopefully this year, hopefully this year, that won't be the case. We've worked hard to build up some depth and we have some good young players uh, behind Peeney and Tyler that are learning what to do. And, and, uh, and then we have a veteran player in Kavika, uh, who is also good solid back that I think can help us. So um, I think we're, we're going to be pretty squared away there, hopefully. 
Yeah, Coach, you guys have put on up a lot of great stats, but I feel an underrated one is, is just the three penalties for just 20 yards. Um, how how's that helped you guys, and how much of a focus has that been for you throughout, throughout the offseason leading up to the season? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, – the, the two main points that we, we made in the offseason was that we were going to be reliable and we were going to be violent on the field. We we're going to be a physical team. And the reliability, though, comes first. And so we've been just, uh, you know, it's, it, should be, it should be one of the strengths of our program is that we, ha- we coach reliable guys that will do what you tell them to do, that will show up and be the same guy every day. And we've, we've stressed that hard in the offseason. And through two games, it shows up. You know, we've got a lot of a lot of different people in and out of the lineup and they've they've proven to be reliable and be able to do their jobs and get off on the snap count and block the person they're supposed to block and play with the technique they're supposed to play with. And that's what we're trying to do. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we can keep it up the whole season, but we're, we're sure we're sure making a making it a huge emphasis. So and I appreciate you noticing that because that's something that we are stressing to the players. It's like, hey, these other stats are great, but as long as we keep playing clean football and not giving it to the other team, we're going to have a chance in every game. Okay, we'll take a question from Jared Lloyd and then Mitch Harper. Aaron, the, the old adage is, is that coaches are never going to be satisfied. Two very impressive offensive performances to start the year. But what aren't you guys satisfied with? What do you want to improve on moving forward? Well, the thing, the, the biggest thing is, is just proving it again each week. You know, it's not necessarily we need to get better at this or that. It's just doing enough good things to win next the next game you know and then I know I know media members probably get tired of coaches talking about one game at a time but you know you're uh, I heard uh, talking to my players about Phil Jackson saying you, how much he hated the parade after the championship he hated all that stuff he, and he talked about being in the moment enjoying the win but then you're only a success in the moment of that successful act and then you got to do it again right and so the parade four days later or whatever that he hated that because I got to do it again. And so we've been talking a lot about that. Hey, we, we're going to, if you notice in the games, our players are having fun in the game. Kalani's stressing, enjoying, enjoying the process of preparing and playing during the game. And uh, we're, we're enjoying the moment. And then we understand that we got to do it again. And so we're, we're, that's our focus right now is just winning the next one. And it's not necessarily, specific uh things you know schematic things it's just doing enough good things to win the next one on that same line of having fun aaron what what was the reaction watching uh, isaac rex high five the referee after he scored the touchdown when you guys watched that terrible isaac is a terrible dancer celebrator uh he's it was awful it's awful Coach, I know you, you kind of touched on stats a little bit. The, the penalties are a big focus for you guys. But I'm curious, you know, Zach's throwing a 78% clip on completion rate. I mean, have you ever had a quarterback that's completed the ball at that high of a percentage? And do you feel like he can maintain that within this offense? <laughs> um, I don't know if that can if he can maintain that through the whole season. But I think, you know, we, we want to be up there around 70%. Yeah, I think that's that's a reasonable that's a reasonable goal. And um, but you know, you can throw 70% completions if you just dink and dunk the whole game. And what, what we've been trying to do is uh, attack 
attack more down the field this year. And that's, that's another thing we worked on in the off season is, is um, building a passing game that's built in, in sync with our run game where we can attack down the field and um, you know, just hurt the defense more. We're trying to get bigger chunks of yardage and, and, and um, so the fact that we've had quite a few big plays and thrown a good completion percentage so far is good, but it's two games. So we got to, we got to keep doing it. And, um, but I do think a big reason why he's throwing a high completion percentage is what I said earlier, he's keeping the game simple. So when, when the shot is there, he's taking it. When it's not, he's checking the ball down. And um, if he continues to do that, then yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a, a very high completion percentage. And I think we're going to win a lot of games. Maybe to speak to the, the growth of the wide receiver spot, because guys like Gunner and Dax, they were making some, some tough catches to, to keep that completion rate at a high yeah. clip. Uh, just maybe speak to, to their evolution this year at that spot and how reliable they're becoming. Yeah, they've played well so far. I mean, uh, Gunner, Dax and Neil are all veteran guys that have been, you know, basically, basically starters, full rotation guys, uh, Gunner and Dax now three years in a row and Neil for a couple of years and then a year off and now back. So it, those guys have played a lot of ball and it's showing and they're leading the way for those younger guys who are also showing up. I mean, uh, I, I can't say enough good things about Braden Cosper. I mean, that guy has had two ACL injuries, just terrible luck and just battled through it. And right now he's probably the next guy up. I mean, he's playing really good football for us. And um, we've got some young players that are following those guys, Cody Epps and, and, and uh, I'm going to forget somebody, Keanu and Chris Jackson. And those guys, we, we, we got a lot of trust in them as well. And, and um, but it starts with Dax Gunner and Neil and their leadership and um, um, through two games. Yeah, it's been great. And so again, I want to s- s- keep challenging them to, keep doing it. There's BYU assistant coach Aaron Roderick. We're going to take a break. When we come back, PK and I are talking football with Dylan Colley. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Time to talk a little Cougar football and college football with Dylan Colley, and he joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Dylan, good morning. Morning. Happy Tuesday. How are we doing? Good. As a former wide receiver, did you find the Troy game much more fulfilling than Navy? I mean, it, it's great to run over a team, but isn't it better to throw for have the starting quarterback throw for almost 400 yards? Uh, 100%. I think as I, I as you watch games like that, that's when you start praying right inside the 10-yard line that we can get some holding calls, maybe some personal <laughs> fouls. Back it create up. A little, yeah, create a little more space. <laughs> With that in mind, Dylan, when you get in that situation, how difficult is it to move the ball because everything is so condensed? Yeah, I mean, uh, luckily, I think in today's game, right, maybe 10, 15 years ago, you had 
uh, such a focus right on just well we're inside the five let's go ahead and pound it um but uh, the game has kind of changed in the way that plays are called and plays are designed that there is a you know uh, offensive coordinators have created a ton of space right instead of thinking hey we have the five yard line right uh, how are we going to get across the goal line you're now looking at okay we have a full 15 yard because of the back of the end zone um, and there are a variety of defenses that are played down in the red zone, especially if you're playing against a, a, a heavy pass team. Um, and so there really is a lot of space down there. And, you know, I think uh, we obviously pounded it down pretty dang good. But um, to see the pass game really open up was, was, was a real good time. So I probably know the answer to this. You probably come to this completely biased. But one thing to do when you get down there – and there isn't much space, is to run what offenses like to call rub routes, which are technically very complicated and hard to run, and what defenses call pick plays, which are just cheating. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There is, let me tell you, if there is one play where it was either, if it was going to be third and three, right, third and three, fourth and three and under, um, whether you're out in the middle of the field or at the goal line and you're under the five-yard line, right, the rub route, is hands down. I mean, I think I probably scored three or four touchdowns uh, just on rub routes, right? And there is nothing better because you're so used to playing at 100%, right? How fast, you know, uh, as a Pop Warner player, consistently told to just run faster, right? Whereas a rub route and, and these types of plays, you get just complete. Uh, patience, and it's more of like a basketball play where you get to set up the pick, and you can almost walk the route. And as long as you don't touch the defense, especially in college, right? Because the rule is you just can't make contact. You can't be setting a pick. You have to act as if you're running through. Um, it's kind of an unstoppable play unless your defense is really keen to switching and their communication is good enough. Because if not. Right. If you're trying to play man and you guys trying to get over the top and run underneath, then you're so prone to getting beat by a guy who just needs to get to the sidelines as quickly as possible. Right. And that's something that is uh, uh, it's a hard play to defend no matter which way it's going. Um, And if you can just get a quarterback that can put the ball on a line right to the outside shoulder, you're in good shape. Zach Wilson seems like he's coming in his own in his third year, and they've been talking a lot of it is the knowledge, the skill, and also the health. What are you seeing from him right now? Uh, I I think, to be completely honest with you, right? I think my uh, I get a lot of I get a lot of slack for uh, my comment after the uh, after the the bowl game in 2018, right? about what I believe Zach Wilson could be, which is one of the greatest BYU quarterbacks of all time. Yep. Right. So now that we're all seeing, you know, outside of the mental, we see a full health, right? We see a kid who is uh, comfortable with his receivers. He has a phenomenal offensive line. I mean, when it comes to just flat out arm talent, technique, being a quarterback, uh, I think a lot of people are now seeing that Zach Wilson really does have that capability of being one of the greatest of all time at BYU. Right now, how does he spend this next two years? What happens mentally? All of these things. Yes, there are those things that go into effect. But 
as you've seen, right, the way he carries himself, some of the balls that he, uh, the touchdown that he threw to Isaac Rex, right, um, you look at that as, oh, a nice little 8- to 10-yard touchdown, whereas he's rolling out to the left and can get the ball across his body and drop it in right behind the defense to get to Isaac to where only Isaac can get it. Uh, the dude has all the tangibles and all of the ability to be, you know, uh, the top-tier quarterback that he is. And I just hope everyone's starting to realize that. Dylan Colley joining us, former BYU wide receiver. So do you think Louisiana Tech is going to be the best of the three teams they've played? And if that is true, do you think BYU can still hang up half a hundred, as the old ball coach used to say? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be the toughest test for the defense, right? Um, simply because of the, the speed, right? The offense they run, you have a team that's going to open it up and, and throw the ball, right, 40, 50, 60 times. And so as long as the stamina from the defense is there, then there's no question that it's going to end up being, right, I, I truly believe it's the same situation that Navy and Troy were. I honestly thought that Troy was, uh, was going to be a very close game, right? Um, but it just proved to me, watching that, that it, you know this BYU team is, is even a lot better than I thought. Um, and so as long as they can keep that, that the defense, right, as long as the defense can keep the offense kind of stalled, um, you know, making the right hits on the receivers because that's what's going to happen is they're going to end up throwing the ball. It's a matter of how fast can you get downhill and how aggressive can you be on receivers because the more times you hit a receiver, the less times they want the ball. Right, and so it'll be a very similar uh, situation to when BYU plays Hawaii. Right? How are you going to play that type of offense that's going to throw the ball fifty to sixty times um, and make sure that you're maintaining pressure and keeping the stamina up? So, offensively, I don't worry. Right? Uh, Louisiana Tech's defense is very similar to Troy's. Um, the receivers, the running backs, the offensive line. The offensive line is way too dominant, especially against these teams like Troy and Louisiana Tech, for there to be any sort of actual worry that Zach's going to have any pressure, right? So as long as those things all kind of line up, um, whatever the spread is, right, I'd take the spread for BYU again. You bounced around a little bit in your career, college. You know, you start go to BYU, go to Hawaii, and then come back. So you probably played for, I can't even remember how many coaches you played for, but you look at now BYU, particularly on offense, which has been really good the first two weeks. Uh, and you got experience offensive line and a quarterback, obviously. But you also have uh, the nucleus of the offensive staff, there and has been there now for three years. How important is that continuity with relation to, with the relationship between the players and the coaching staff? Uh, I would say it's probably the largest part of their success, right? Uh, I just even being able to play for a coach for two years in a row, right, um, is brings a lot of comfort. I think the most success that. I had on any of the teams that I played on, right, was uh, our sophomore year at Hawaii, 
um, where we even just won seven games, right? And that was Rolovich's second year at Hawaii, right? But the comfort, the understanding of the offense, it's a game changer. So to know that all of these guys, you look at the core of the offense, they're not only, right, it's not just the offensive staff that's been there for three years and have uh, gotten comfortable in this offense. This, the offensive players have all been there um, since the beginning with these guys, and they've grown with these guys. And so I think that's a huge part of the trust and, and quite possibly the largest part of their success is just simply understanding the offense and going out there because the game becomes so much slower when you have that type of understanding. When the offense becomes second nature, you go out there and when you line up, it is, and you have the talent, it's kind of a cakewalk, right? Um, and so, you know, I think, uh, I think that's a, a big part of the success and you'll continue to see that, right? So where is the biggest payoff in that? Is it the fact that the, the systems don't change and the players get comfortable and they aren't thinking about every detail, they're just kind of reacting because they really know it? Is it, uh, is it more that, the, uh, that they really get the confidence from the coaches and they got that relationship? So in a tough situation, everybody believes they're going to make the big play that's going to get them through it. What, where's the real payoff in all of that? I, yeah, I, I, think, I think the first part, right, the, the actual mastery. If you think about uh, the ability to go out and do a job, when you guys get up, right, um, and you start your show, it's at this point, right? At this point, it's probably pretty easy to feed off one another and to be able to carry on a conversation for how long your show is. And so it is just that mastery and that continuity and doing things so many times uh, that you do just kind of have this next-level understanding and next-level comfort. I think in terms of the high-pressure situations, uh, last year we saw a lot of high-pressure situations for, for BYU, and it was carried by a lot of the seniors, right, the Micah Simons and his ability to convert in the Tennessee game. Uh, have, has this team been tested this year? No, they haven't. Do I think that there's going to come a point where they are tested? Absolutely. And it will be interesting to see how they react. Uh, but, you know, it's hard to say, well, in big pressure, pressure situations, this team being together for so long has been, you know, a nice little positive, but you know, we, we don't know that yet. Yeah, that's a good point as far as what we've been doing. And, you know, that's a good analogy is that you can really see it. You know, we do have that level of comfort and football teams. I think it's an underrated portion of what goes on and you nailing it as far as the, probably the number one reason for the success and it's something it's it's funny because we dissect everything so many different ways but that's one of the things that i don't think that gets enough credit and i think that as a former player you can see that so when you look at this coaching staff particularly on the offense what do you think is making it be as good as it is in terms of the results uh if you look at who the top performers are on the offense, you look at the relationship that they have off of the field, right? Um, just coming to mind, right? You have 
Zach Katoa and Tyler Algier, who are extremely good friends, okay? They feed off of the energy for one another, and you see nothing but success, right? You see nothing but excitement and confidence in one another. It's not a matter of, hey, right, you're getting this many carries, I'm getting this many carries. These guys aren't going into Harvey saying, Harv, my 20 carries isn't enough. I need more than what Zach's getting, right? You don't have Gunner and Dax going at each other about who gets more balls, right? You don't have them uh, coming at Zach saying, hey, we need more, <laughs> right? I need more than Dax or Gunner saying, or Dax saying, I need more than Gunner. These guys' relationship, and then you have the offensive line who just loves each other and has since they got together and it's been pretty constant for the last three years. But all of these guys truly do care for one another, and they love to play the game together. And that's the type of right. Uh, that's the type of mesh that you hope for on every single team. I think the clearest example was after that sluggo route. Uh, that Dax Milne ran and scored, right? You saw him literally running into the end zone with a fat smile on his face and then coming back and giving Zach crap about underthrowing him, right? Like, it doesn't matter what you have on a team. As long as you have that, un, like, that no bars hold dedication to one another, um, you, you have a pretty good chance at, at being pretty dang good. So how much of this team uh, being really pretty good, especially this offense, is because the O-line has been dominating for two games? Whether it's pass protection for Wilson or the run blocking that we saw at Navy, uh, they're just crushing these other teams. Uh, I'd probably say about 70 to 75% at least. Um, and I wish it's very easy to say you played against Navy and you played against Troy, right? Um, smaller front sevens, not as athletic. Um, I wish, you know, and, and I don't know if it's going to be the same for Louisiana tech. I don't, I think it will be, (laughs) but, uh, when this team and this offensive line is really tested, you're going to be able to see how good this offensive line really is because we haven't seen the half of it. To see and know that Brady Christensen, James Empey, even you know Tristan Hodge out there and Chandon Hare, like, we're looking at a few different uh, first-day draft picks, right? James Empey and Brady Christensen, for sure. And then you look at the growth of the other guys. Like, that entire offensive line is an NFL-type offensive line. And I think you can accredit that a lot to Coach Grimes and his abilities and his understanding of the offensive line position. Um, And then the way that Coach Mateos kind of supplements that. But I hope that everyone gets the chance to truly see how good this offensive line is in a real test of a front seven on the defensive side. And I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would give them at least 70 to 75% of the credit. All right, Dylan, I want to go back in a couple of different ways. I want to go back right to your last uh, prior answer before DJ's question, and you were talking about how the guys playing for each other and one player, whether it's a receiver or whatever it might be, a running backs, not going into the mm-hmm. coach and saying, give me more than the other guy and all that. So you have that unison. Now I want to go back 
Oh, let's see. Was it? Uh, I think it's about thirteen, fourteen years ago. There's a guy that you know well who made what was perceived as a controversial comment as far as the magic happens uh, spiel, and we all know that. And I was standing right there because Austin gave it to me, and that's the essence of what I think he was saying. And it got misinterpreted that God helps BYU and roots for the Mormons or what have you, when really he was saying that. Before his mission, there was all sorts of crap going on on the team, and he experienced it, right? It was in the darkest times of BYU, and then he goes away. I think he went to South America, comes back, and that stuff was gone. And Bronco had the ability to get everybody together, and I think that's the essence of what he was saying, not, well, God favors one over the other, but he was talking about his own individual ball club, that we need to be together. And I think that's what you're saying now. Correct me if I'm wrong or add to it. No, uh, 100%. You're you're absolutely spot on. And I think you're seeing a very, very similar – uh, environment um, as to now I can I sit here and say and Austin would probably <laughs> you know uh, uh, agreeably so is this team does this team have all of the talent that that team had right no absolutely not that team was unbelievable um, and the amount of money made in the NFL from that team right proves that and so um, but in terms of the dynamic, in terms of the friendship, in terms of that cohesion of we can only control what's inside this locker room, and that includes being the best version of ourselves, right? Now, whether that's taking place or not, I genuinely do believe that these guys care more about what's going on outside, right, to one another, and the genuine cares of life, um, and and that's just, you know, uh, that just brings the greater sense of team and effort that you're willing to put in for one another on the football field, right? So you're you're 100% spot on. I don't think that there is, you know, uh, obviously you, you look at the, team, the way that people take things. Uh, I could only imagine if Austin said that in 2020, right? <laughs> he took a lot of flack 12 years ago, but could you imagine if he said something like that today? I think he would have been uh, uh, put in an even worse position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So the only thing I want to jump at, well, that's not true, but we're out of time. The one thing I really want to jump at here is you say that team had unbelievable talent and those guys made a ton of money in the NFL, but this offensive line, let's say it's best-case scenario, and you know they got eight starters back. That's not deniable. And the NFL's looking mm-hmm. at four guys. Let's say four of these guys have long NFL careers. You know, If you have four NFL offensive linemen, you can probably run the ball every week in college football, and you can probably keep your quarterback clean and give him a pocket to throw out of 30, 35, 40 times a game. If everybody else is a decent college football player, not an NFL, but a good college football player, they're going to thrive behind with that kind of offensive line on the field with them. They're going to thrive. Oh, 100%. Like no doubt about it. You can be very uh you can be very you can be a very decent football player, right? If you have the offensive line that they have right now, it's you're next to unstoppable. And and 
just to go on, right, and I know we're out of time, but you can even think about this for the next week, okay? You look at the offensive line and then the kicking game for BYU right now, the fact that they have a field goal kicker in Jake Gilroy that can hit a 54-yard field goal, uh, that's another thing that not a lot of people get is how truly valuable having someone like that on your football team uh, is. It's, a, it's an absolute game changer between the offensive line and the special teams and the effectiveness of the special teams. You're pretty much in a place to where it's, it's hard to lose or it's hard to not be in every single game with a chance to win going into the fourth quarter. All right, we'll leave it there. There's plenty more to talk about, Dylan, but we'll do it next week after we see the Louisiana Tech game, and I assume you're picking BYU to win that game. 100%. There you go. Dylan, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yep, have a good one, fellas. There's Dylan Colley. He joins us every week to talk college football. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are coming up next. Stay with us.